Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the college admissions process podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insights straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions, regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode You should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, everyone, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Chris Cahill, who is an Associate Director of Undergraduate Admissions at Fairfield University. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you very much, John. Uh, Really excited to share some information today. I think it's a great idea for this new podcast to to release to the thousands of students who will hear it and hopefully gain some of it from at least the the Fairfield perspective. So thanks again for having me. It is our pleasure. Welcome. And we're looking forward to a great conversation. Chris and I have known each other now for a couple of years, but we're going to start, Chris, by me simply asking you to tell us about yourself How long have you been in admissions and how did you end up in this position? So I'm wrapping up this spring my fifth admission cycle in the office. I'm part of a team of 12 admission counselors or so and varying degrees, ages, kind of backgrounds and experience in the office. And I would say I'm I'm in the middle of that being just about five years in. So over the years, gained some more responsibilities each year, oversee Long Island, oversee the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And as far as how I I got to this position was I was a business student in my undergraduate experience at Fairfield. So I am a Fairfield grad myself. I think at least half of our office are Fairfield alum as well, um, which is always great to have that experience um, in the guidance process for any particular school. But as an undergrad studying business, I definitely knew eventually I wanted to get into, generally speaking, the nonprofit sector in some sort of way. Um, I might have, you know, as far as being a junior or senior, tinkered with a few different ideas as far as grad school. But as an accounting major, I ended up launching into the Master's in Public Administration program at Fairfield. They had a nonprofit track, and I met a lot of university employees. Um, and while I hadn't really considered working at a university before, let alone my alma mater, met a lot of people in the admission office, actually. Learned a lot about the job before I even had the job. So after meeting them in class, in, in grad school, Um, I was working in the residence life office on campus, and after two years or so, um, ended up applying for the job as an assistant director in our office um, here at Fairfield in admission. And from the travel to the application review part of the the job, of the cycle, um, to the event planning and the event 
putting on on campus to the summers that have a lot of preparation, planning, and connections um, tied to that. I was just attracted to a lot of different parts of this type of role and the growth that comes from that, from assistant to associate, um, to the directors in the field, to the VPs in the field, whatever it might be. So while it wasn't a freshman college, Chris, idea that I would end up here, I think a lot of my colleagues would confirm that it's, it's such a dynamic and kind of flexible and really fulfilling role. And uh, wrapping up my fifth year, I've really enjoyed it. Well, Chris, I've gotten to know you very well over the last couple of years, and Fairfield University is very lucky to have you. You do amazing work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome and well-deserved. And full disclosure, by the way, my oldest daughter, who's currently a junior in college, is in fact a junior at Fairfield University. And so I've gotten to know you over the years with my oldest daughter, and even when I was looking into some things with my youngest daughter, and you have always been accessible, and everyone just needs to know um, you are one of a kind and a wonderful resource for what we call the college admissions process. So thank you again, Chris. I appreciate that. Thank you. And what I'll add is, as a parent of a Fairfield University student, my daughter could not be happier with the programs that you offer. Yes. The student-to-professor ratio is so low. She gets to know her professors intimately. She's currently a math major going for a five-year program where after five years she'll have her master's. She absolutely adores the work in the classroom the social life, and by the way, I don't know if people know it, but when you're a senior at Fairfield University, most of the seniors live off campus in these beautiful beach homes right on the Long Island Sound, and uh, so we put our deposit in two years ago for that. But all to say that Fairfield University has been an outstanding experience for her, and of course all of her friends, all of whom, by the way, are just the most amazing and wonderful people that I've met. So Chris, that's a long, intro to get to my question which is as a former student and the associate or one of the associate directors of undergraduate admissions what can you tell us about fairfield university that makes students want to apply and ultimately attend your school yeah great question i think a few things i'll start with probably the most surface level as far as just our campus location and once you get to campus what it looks like and what the surrounding area looks like I think regardless of where you're coming from, whether it's within an hour or whether you're taking a plane to campus, the physical location of, of Fairfield U, even me being from Queens, not knowing much about Connecticut as a state, not knowing much about Fairfield, the town, I was really drawn to the fact that it's a suburb, so we're 200 acres, pretty much right in the middle of the town of Fairfield within Fairfield County, southwest Connecticut. So, and, and I believe, and we'll get to the Jesuit network in a little bit, I'm sure, but as far as Jesuit schools go, it's kind of unique in the fact that it's not in the middle of a city, in the hustle and bustle of a city, but very close to cities. So as far as our location goes, being the down the block from a downtown area, so not being in the middle of nowhere, but having this campus kind of suburban feel all enclosed, again, 200 acres or so, right in this kind of residential area, um, Stanford, Connecticut's 20 minutes away. New York City is about an hour and 15 on the train into Grand Central. Um, and the beach, as you already mentioned, just about, you know, depending on where you're going, but to get to the actual water takes you about five minutes, just you know, a couple miles down the road from campus. So just having that combination, I think, is unique. And a lot of students might read that on our website or get pamphlets and are intrigued by that. Once they get to campus, I think taking a step further, just seeing the facilities on campus and not only 
those are pretty buildings, but also saying to themselves, this place is investing in their future has even changed or improved since I was a student. I graduated in 2014 and there was a lot going on and we're a relatively younger Jesuit school um, founded in 1942 by the Society of Jesus. But even over the last five to seven years, maybe there's been new business building, new nursing building. The dining hall has been completely revamped, um, new residence hall on the quad. Uh, so many innovations program wise and also just infrastructure wise. So I think students are, and, and parents especially might be, uh, their eyes might be open to the fact that this is a really great time and exciting time to apply to Fairfield. So there's a lot going on. Um, again, younger in the grand scheme of things, but um, well-established in a lot of ways too. So that kind of excites students. And the last thing I would say to this question for kind of um, my bullet-pointed version of an answer would be the feel they get on campus. That is incredibly cliche, but when students come to campus, um, usually for the first time they, they are coming for a tour. And when they get a tour, their tour guide, any professors they might run into, um, admission counselors, whoever might, just random passers-by, whoever it might be, we get tons of feedback that it sounds simple, but students genuinely seem happy here. And, and what's to account for that? So um, I think the answers definitely vary, but whether it's the amount of things students can get involved in, um, how connected, as you mentioned, your daughter is, they feel to their faculty and how, how heard they feel, um, how heard um, they are in the classroom and outside the classroom, and also just the size of our student body. So we have, we're about to hopefully enroll our largest incoming class that we've ever seen, but we're still that small to medium-sized uh, student body. So 1,200, maybe 1,300 incoming first-year students, not too big, really not too small at all. You might see some people on graduation day you never met before, but at the same time, you know a lot of different pockets of, of friends. And that connection definitely shines through in, like I said, just on a tour, on a class visit. So physical beauty, I would say, draws people to campus maybe in the surrounding area, but the connections that are formed, it feels like a much bigger network than it actually really is. The, and the alumni pride is, is definitely through the roof, especially in the tri-state area, but wherever you might be in the country, uh, people are proud they went to Fairfield. They're proud to be Stags. And, um, and again, hopefully just more and more growth and success for the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Again, my daughter is extremely happy. And it is, it is great, as you mentioned, to see all of the buildings uh, that's yep. going on on campus. I know that there's a basketball arena being built that's as it. we speak. Yep. And I'm really excited to see the outcome of that. So... I know you touched upon it, but I read recently that there are actually 28 Jesuit colleges and universities, Fairfield, of course, being one of them. What can you tell us about the Jesuit philosophy and what can students expect once they're on campus? So there's a lot that can be said for sure as far as what's different about a Jesuit education compared to even another Catholic institution that doesn't happen to be Jesuit. So within the context of I'll try to boil down 500 years of, of Jesuit history into, like I do in my info sessions. It, you know, it, I try to do this on campus, speaking with families too, and I think it can be helpful to give kind of a snapshot. The Jesuits are a, a religious order, priests and brothers. Um, Catholic tradition goes back about 500 years, started by uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola. And in this rich history, in this long history, places of education have been one of the hallmarks of, of the Jesuits as a religious order. When it comes to the universities and the colleges, kind of answering that question for students, what will I get here that I might not get 
elsewhere. Um, not fully, but what's kind of the distinct feature of a Jesuit school like Fairfield? Um, one thing I always start with is the Jesuit values. So any school you apply to or enroll at is going to have uh, a mission statement. They're going to have values that the community rallies around, um, going to have certain things that are institutional goals. But the thing that connects the Jesuit schools, um, these four values that we at least emphasize, there are several values total in, in the order, but the Jesuit values have to do with, in, in a variety of ways, self-reflection and reaching the best version of yourself, um, the common good, um, diversity and inclusion, very service-oriented community and student body. So these type of values make their way into the classroom, whether it's a service learning course, maybe you're taking an English course, and in that class you have the option to uh, tutor students once a week at a, at a nearby Fairfield or Bridgeport school, just as a quick concrete example. Um, or whether it has to do with just the fact that in the classroom you're taking a variety of classes um, and based on these values trying to incorporate many different philosophies and, and worldviews into your particular education. So these values and outside the classroom, I, I should mention, outside the classroom, going on service trips is huge at Fairfield. Um, students of every different uh, religious background and of no particular religious background can go on the retreats offered through campus ministry, can go on these service trips during Christmas break or spring break or what have you. So I think the values drive campus in a very unique way and it's very others focused and that's kind of um, the Jesuits always talk about, you know, meeting people on the margins and, and being called outside of, of just your particular, you know, goals and plans. So I, I think that's an admirable kind of principle of the Jesuits. Um, Secondly would just be academically speaking. So logistically, um, many students and parents notice right away that most of the Jesuit schools, definitely Fairfield, have this core curriculum that includes not only my major courses and minor courses, but also, I kind of alluded to it, English, philosophy, religious studies, um, mathematics, science, regardless of what you're studying um, and graduating with a degree in. So yes, it seems like a lot at the sur you know, on the surface. It seems like a lot of courses to take. I usually quell any worries early on by saying five courses per semester or so finishes you right on time within four years. It's just a good combination of courses within those four years. So you'll take um, your philosophy and history maybe one semester, uh, and it's a couple in each discipline probably before you graduate, uh, with some major courses and minor courses and electives mixed in. And it's a very well-balanced kind of approach to education. And again, that interdisciplinary kind of goal of Jesuit education, academic rigor tends to be a, a really big, again, hallmark of the Jesuit order. So uh, you will not be pigeonholed into just your particular uh, discipline, school, study, whatever it might be. And last thing I'll say there is that's very marketable to your future employer. So with, with your internships and with your eventual full-time uh, job interviews, you know, saying to your interviewer that you were able to take a philosophy class that made you think differently about X, um, and maybe you even declared a minor in it, that usually stands out. And, and that is offered to every single student that comes to Fairfield. Um, and then finally, very quickly, the most obvious one, at a Jesuit school, I tend to ramble about the Jesuit thing, which I guess is a good thing to ramble about if you're going to ramble about something. But the Jesuit piece... We're here because, Chris, <laughs> we are here because we want to hear all about it. <laughs> See, great to hear. So the Jesuit, um, obvious Jesuit distinct piece would be 
the religious and spiritual dimension to campus and how you can grow in your faith life on campus. I mentioned before, admission-wise and being a student on campus, you're not excluded from literally anything if you are not religious and if you're not Catholic. We have students of all different faith, That's right. faith backgrounds, right. all different traditions. And to be perfectly honest, in this day and age, you know, I particularly am a Catholic and I will even you know, acknowledge the fact that religion is, in a lot of ways, nationwide and, and worldwide, slipping among you know, maybe younger people. I think what we do well is we offer those opportunities on campus. I mentioned a couple of them already, retreats and service trips, but also um, liturgies on campus. We are a Catholic school, so we do have mass every Sunday and daily mass as well. We have interfaith dialogue programs that go, go on on campus. We have chaplains in the campus ministry office, um, a Muslim chaplain. A, uh, we have a rabbi who works on campus part-time as well. Uh, Protestant chaplain as well. So, so we have our Catholic students and any students who might just want to check out what what this, not even Catholic, but religious thing might be in a college setting, have the opportunity to do that. And if you're coming in as a Catholic student, that's good to know as well, to, to know that you can grow in your faith and deepen your faith life, even if you grew up Catholic too. So hopefully that dispelled any rumors or painted a, a clearer picture of, of what the Jesuit experience can be like. I think as far as religious orders go in the Catholic faith, the Jesuits tend to be a little bit more well-known, so there's a lot of literature and stories out there, but that's what I gain or gauged most from my student experience and what I see now as an employee. Well, thank you for that outstanding introduction in terms of the Jesuit education. I know of a lot of parents who are considering or whose children are considering Fairfield, and that's always a question that comes up, so I really appreciate your insight on that topic. The Dolan School of Business has an incredible reputation among students who want to pursue business at Fairfield University. My cousin's son happens to be a freshman at the school, doing extremely well and absolutely loving it. What can you tell us about the program and how competitive is it to be admitted? So I'll start with the logistical point that I always uh, start with when I give Dolan School of Business visit days on campus. And prior to that, I will share that I am the liaison from our admission office to the Dolan School of Business, which basically means I work closely with the deans in the Dolan School to put on on-campus events, to kind of work with them as far as our strategy goes for recruitment, keep them in the loop, work closely with Dolan students. So as far as the logistics go on it, on the admission side of things, I always start with the fact that it is a very strong school, it's our largest of the four academic divisions. We do have a College of Arts and Sciences, School of Nursing, and School of Engineering as well. But Dolan is definitely our largest at this point in time, has been for a couple of years now. And um, I think roughly just under half our incoming class um, for this year were Dolan School of Business students, ranging from every major to business undeclared. So um, from an admission lens, at this point in time, this could change in the very near future, you are no more likely or less likely to be admitted right now um, if you apply as a finance major versus an undeclared business major or actually any major outside of the school. Um, this is simply because we do have the capacity to support um, a very large business school. Uh, we have a new business building on campus, which um, is, is one of our, definitely our newest buildings, most impressive kind of new additions to campus. But the admit rate, just as a quick side note, um, is pretty consistent with our other schools, excluding nursing, which tends to be most competitive at most schools. But business is pretty consistent right now. 
I would encourage you if you're considering a business major in college um, at the time you apply to definitely still apply as a business major. It helps us a lot to craft our class. And also, if you end up enrolling at Fairfield, you end up automatically being a business student, obviously, but also being linked up with a business professor as your advisor. So I, I, I would say it matters in certain ways, but don't think maybe I'll sneak in the admission way another way and then transfer to business. You can, tr you can transfer into the business school. You can transfer out. Um, however, the business cohort um, is, again, on a path for much, much growth and success in the future, like you mentioned, John. So um, that's where I start um, admission-wise with some good news. You don't have to do anything additional in the process. There's no additional essays um, or applications you have to fill out. It is pretty straightforward. As far as what the program is like on campus, I mentioned before vaguely that regardless of your major, you're taking a variety of courses. So I, I'll mention at the outset that <clears throat> Dolan School of Business students uh, not only take their major courses, mostly junior and senior year, they, they start off with some core courses, um, the Magis core, as we call it, uh, Magis is Latin for the more or the better, it's one of our Jesuit values actually, um, and they take those humanities courses I mentioned before, so English, history, philosophy, uh, visual performing arts, what have you, they're also taking a third tier, uh, which is the business core, so we have eight Probably, probably transforming into seven majors in the business school. This is a good sign. We're kind of consolidating a couple of our like-minded majors um, currently. So we'll have seven solid majors to choose from in the business school um, going forward. And as far as uh, what you take in that business core curriculum as a business student, regardless of your major, is the intro course to every one of our majors. So you start taking Finance 101, Marketing 101, Info Systems 101, um, every, every business student right away takes uh, Econ 11 and 12 and uh, accounting courses to kind of get that background. So you get such a good blend of curricula right away on campus as a business student, which is another great reason to apply right away if you do have an interest in business. So academically speaking, the faculty, the curriculum, really top notch and a great blend. Again, not pigeonholing you right away into any particular field. Um, I mentioned the building as well, really state-of-the-art space, a huge building right next to our library, which um, the space is, is really incredible, but also the classrooms being very just innovative um, and, and accessible and the fact that student-to-faculty ratio-wise, we're still not exceeding about maybe tops 30 students in any given business course um, class setting. So we have an average class size of about 20 across the board. Um, and it's really never exceeding 30 or 35 tops. So that holds true for our new business school, for sure. Um, we have FactSet Terminals. And FactSet is a company that's similar to, to Bloomberg, as far as Bloomberg terminals go. That are uh, There's a whole FactSet lab in our business school as well. So just trying to paint the picture of state-of-the-art facility, a lot of great technology in there. There's rooms where you can virtually interview with companies where they set aside a soundproof room for you. So there's really cool features there. The faculty, the students have really loved it. And it just opened uh, fall of 2019. So especially with COVID, uh, really feels brand new to, to everybody on campus too. Um, and as a quick plug, because I am the liaison to the business school, this goes for all of our academic divisions. You can visit campus for a general tour and we encourage you to. But if you wanna dive deeper, especially you know, spring of your senior years, especially, 
Um, we have Dolan School of Business visit days, as I mentioned, and part of that visit day would be touring the Dolan School, having a Dolan student as your tour guide, given their experiences. Um, part of that day is a panel of students to give you their kind of spiel about what their experience has been like, and you hear from the deans. So Dolan has a bright future. Uh, I'm really privileged to be able to work closely with the deans. Um, and I think everyone kind of leaves off that day thinking also about the alumni network. Stanford, New York City, Boston, probably being the big three, but Philadelphia, DC, across the country. We have big four accounting firm, Fortune 500 company, tech company alum that are really, really pu pushing for new Fairfield grads where they know what they've been through academically and the experiences they've had on campus. So being a not only a Fairfield graduate, but a Dolan graduate really bodes well out there in the real world, for sure. Well, that's an outstanding introduction to the program. And you mentioned the location of Fairfield University and its vicinity to so many great cities. It really offers students multiple opportunities in terms of internships and beyond. I'm sure there's a lot of companies, yeah. as you mentioned, that want to um, provide internships, but also jobs as Fairfield University students graduate. And the building itself, if I might add, it is spectacular, state of the art. I've been in it a few times and uh, truly excited about the future of Fairfield with so much building and so many opportunities for the students. So thank you for that intro. So let's talk about the freshman class. What is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of their GPA and, and any other related materials that you collect? Sure. So... In our information sessions on campus, you'll see on our PowerPoint, we do show <clears throat> average GPA being, and we, we try to do letter grade wise, we try to explain it, you know, 4.0 scale wise and 100 point scale wise. I'll start with, we don't have a requirement for GPA. Um, as far as you're under this requirement, we toss your application out the window. That does not happen in our, in our process. You hear this a, at a lot of places, but we do ascribe to the holistic review of a student's application. GPA we emphasize, and that average or kind of standard GPA tends to be around an A minus or so. And again, even that means different things at different high schools, as I've come to know in this in this job. But right around a 3.67, 3.7-ish is, is our average um, GPA coming out of last year and our incoming class this year. Um, so if your high school is on a 100-point scale, it's, you know, a low 90s student tends to be, again, that typical Fairfield student. Plenty of students are A plus, you know, throughout. Rigor is very important as well. We, we totally understand, especially because we are reading um, our particular areas of the country, getting to know our high schools very well. We know what's offered versus what you can take advantage of and, and everything in between. So we, we do look into, okay, what is your GPA? But at the same time, the reason why that's not the end-all be-all is because there are plenty of students that maybe don't hit that GPA, but took a, a great deal of honors, AP courses, IB courses, whatever it might be, maybe have an upward trend, maybe started out a little bit shaky their freshman year, sophomore, junior, senior year even, have continued to improve. So I wouldn't let that GPA number necessarily scare anybody away from, from applying or looking into Fairfield. But at the same time, good to know that that number definitely shows the success of our incoming students as far as academics go in their high school career. Um, really, really strong applicants as far as um, grades go. When it comes to the SAT and the ACT, we've been test optional from, uh, for about 12 years now. I, I think it was 2010, 2011, might have been the first year 
uh, that we went test optional. I know a lot of places since COVID has hit has gone test optional, but I just want to clarify that our philosophy has been consistent for over a decade now in the sense that we have a range, a middle 50% range that we share with everybody as far as our incoming class scored between, um, it changes slightly every year, but our most updated numbers are uh, 12 40 to 1370, I believe, is our middle 50% for the SAT. And most recently, I believe 27 to 31 was the range for ACT. This is your first guideline as far as I want to apply to Fairfield. Am I wildly outside of this or, or you know, below it or above? You know, above, I would say, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but wildly below, that could lead to a decision as far as have we accepted any students even this year? who got a 25 on the ACT. Yes, we have, of course. It's not a cutoff. It's simply just a graphic to help you make that decision. But even more so to make that decision, I always tell students to look at how your score on either test compares to your transcript. Does it make sense? I know that sounds simple, but does it match up? And also, does it represent your potential well? So if you are a straight-A student with 10 honors courses and eight AP courses, never got a B in your life, and you got a score that even is within our range, maybe. Maybe you got a 1250 on the SAT. There are students that might say, that doesn't represent me well, and I'm going to go test optional, and that's totally fine. On the other side of the coin, if a student maybe is struggling, especially early on in high school, maybe he's picked up their GPA little by little, but that final GPA is still kind of around let's say in the B minus range, you know, below our, our, our profile, let's say, and they do get a score. I always use this example of the same thing, a 1250, let's say on the SAT. That might be a really good idea to send that in, not only because it's within our range, but it shows that student's potential, maybe a little bit more than their transcript did. So I use that example very quickly to just show that it is a case by case basis. And we at Fairfield, our team, definitely speak for, for myself with this, I encourage you all to reach out to your counselor to be as blunt and transparent um, and as open as you want as far as that decision goes. It's not going to be the end-all, be-all per se, but as far as the tiers of what we emphasize in our holistic review, you know, transcript and test scores are right up there. Um, We're looking at involvement. We're looking at essay, uh, letters of recommendation, interviews, resumes, of course. We're looking at all of this. But academically speaking, we want students that are going to succeed on campus and they're not going to to drown in in the the academic demands on campus. So it it is going to be an important piece. And I say all this to just say, I've had students call me up, just tell me their GPA and tell me their test score. And off the record, kind of, can you advise me on this path? Should I submit, you know, based on students you've seen in the past? So I'd encourage you to be open as much as you want to. But that's kind of the test optional piece um, and how we approach it, and and we can we can really promise you that if you if you go test optional, we see top for test optional on your application, and we consider everything else, and that's that's the end of it. We're not assuming anything in that. And again, I'm only speaking for Fairfield, but that is how we approach it. Well, Chris, that's a great example, many great examples of your holistic approach and the advice that you just provide to students and their families is truly tremendous. So thank you so much for that insight. Uh, Really appreciate it. Yeah. So I know we talked a little bit about it earlier, but do you conduct on-site interviews with prospective students? And if so, Chris, what advice would you give a student preparing for their interview? 
So currently we're doing virtual interviews. Up until COVID, we, we did almost exclusively have on-campus interviews and they were very popular for sure. Um, once COVID hit, we, we transitioned to fully virtual. That is where we still are at right now. And I would envision by fall of 2022, hopefully fingers crossed, we keep the virtual component to a degree and we, co we come back to our on-campus, on-site opportunities as well. Same thing with class visits. We're hoping to get a couple of programs back up and running on campus. As far as interviews go, um, our website, uh, you know, www.fairfield.edu slash visit, that's a one-stop shop for signing up for a tour, uh, signing up for an interview, seeing our school-specific visits, everything you can find there. So as far as how to do it, you just go online. You can call our office too. And signing up for an interview, while optional, is definitely encouraged. Um, it's not as if we see students who don't interview and we say they don't care about Fairfield. That's definitely not it. But demonstrating interest through a variety of ways, whether it's an email to your counselor or taking it a, a lot, many steps further and interviewing with us, definitely shows a lot. So let's take it currently. Let's say you sign up for a virtual interview in the future. Let's say, you know, if you're listening to this in 2023, you know, if you are coming to campus for an interview, fully optional but are, they are evaluative. So we do have um, a great team of seniors. We do it a little bit differently than I think many places. Admission counselors occasionally will interview students, but we have a team of uh, currently, I think 13 senior fellows, we call them, in the office, where they might start out as tour guides or, or admission greeters, um, kind of raise, you know, rise through the ranks of our office as student workers and kind of end their admission career as students as senior fellows. They're an extension of our office. They're trusted student leaders, really accomplished student leaders. And whether virtually or on campus, you'd meet with them for about 20, maybe 30 minutes in an interview. How to prepare best for it um, without giving you what they will ask you, you know, because it could be different every time. The general consensus as far as how to best prepare starts with the most obvious. Looking and, and acting professional is always gonna be number one. You know, um, it sounds silly, but it has happened in the past. You know, students showing up in in a t-shirt and jeans. You want to look professional when it comes when it comes to an interview. <laughs> you you want to not go crazy. You don't need to wear a suit or anything like that. But when it comes to just presenting well um, in your in your speech and in your appearance, that's always what I start with, just really quickly off the bat. But when it comes to the interview itself, you just have to be comfortable talking about your high school experience and what you're looking for in a college experience. And when I say comfortable, I mean trying to reflect before the interview starts on what have I done in high school? Funny enough, a lot of students just go in thinking, of course I can talk about myself. And it's even more challenging than they expected to recall what they did over the last three years in high school and think, well, I know I'm applying to Fairfield, but they asked me, why? And I'm trying to put that into words. So, so preparing some concrete examples of what you've done and, and where you want to go is definitely my, my big piece of advice. Um, doing a little bit of research at Fairfield or at any school that you're interviewing with, a little bit of research into who the school is, whether it's the Jesuit piece of things uh, at Fairfield or the programs that they offer. And hopefully if you're signing up for an interview, by that point, you will have done that. But just being comfortable talking about how you see yourself fitting in 
in a particular community and how you see yourself contributing in some concrete ways, staying away from you know vague answers. And then my final piece of kind of practical advice would be come with a few questions, especially at Fairfield when you're interviewing a student, uh, interviewing with a student, a, a current senior at Fairfield, such a gift to be able to get inside their mind and get some really transparent answers when it comes to why did you choose Fairfield? Or maybe your question is more detailed, like how was your study abroad experience? Coming with some questions, first of all, eliminates that red flag of that student didn't have any questions. You know, like maybe, you know, how, right. how genuine, right. you know, we don't want to assume anything, but we want to think also in an evaluative interview, um, they came prepared with questions. That's always a good sign. So as detailed as you want, pick the brains of our senior fellows when it comes to interviewing with them virtually or in person. And I think, you know, within 20, 30 minutes, productive discussions are, are almost always had. And, um, and you shouldn't be, as, as my, uh, as kind of a subjective um, last piece of advice would be, I'm a nervous guy, I'm an anxious guy, so I get it. But you shouldn't be nervous for this. We are not putting a spotlight on you and recording these things. These are added to your application. They're used as one piece in our holistic review. And they are most times, hopefully, used in our review. So I see these write-ups and I'm using them to confirm thoughts that maybe I've already had about this applicant when I looked at their transcript, when I looked at their involvement and their letters of rec. Because I usually look at the interview notes last and I'll just say, great, they had a great interview with Toby, one of our senior fellows. And I'll say that that's a great sign. That, that, you know, that, that's, that's definitely a plus. So while it's not the end-all be-all, it's a really great opportunity. I'd encourage you to sign up for an interview, for sure. Well, those are a lot of great pieces of practical advice. I hope the students and the parents are listening. I'm sure they are. Chris, thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. I love the fact that you gave so many different examples. That's truly appreciated. And again, what this conversation is all about. Yeah. What about early decision, Chris? If a student applies early decision, is there a better chance they will be admitted? What advice would you give a student con considering applying ED? So we do have early decision one and early decision two. Um, we have early action and we have regular decision as well. So this is all laid out on the website, not to confuse everybody, but it's, it's all there. The distinct feature of early decision, as many of the listeners probably know, is it's a binding agreement. So you are signing up on your application, on your Common App, <clears throat> to fully commit to Fairfield in its most basic sense. So you as a student are signing up for that, your counselor is signing off, and your, your parent or guardian is signing off on that as well, and we also confirm that on our end. So to answer your first question of um, admit rate or, or chances of being admitted, I'm always very transparent with students and families about this. Technically speaking, yes, it puts you in the best position possible for admission um, throughout our cycle to put you in that pool of ED just compared to regular decision or EA. There are a few different reasons for this, aka there are a few reasons why the admit rate tends to be a slightly higher in that pool. Um, I want to dispel any rumors that aren't specific to Fairfield but might be making the rounds you know, nationwide perhaps just... You apply ED and you're in. A lot of people can tell you um, it's not true. We are still holistically reviewing every single application, regardless of deadline that you choose. The reason why I think is only one of the factors, but the reason why I think that admit rate tends to be a bit higher, um, a lot of strong students apply ED 
Um, so, so that's just one kind of obvious one. A lot of strong students might have made their decision and want to do their research and fully commit. But aside from that, there are, in the industry, in the field in general, but definitely at Fairfield, there have been developments over the past five or six years where we are diving into demonstrated interest a good deal more than we ever have in the past. I think the number of times you visited campus, the, it, whether you interviewed or not, how many times you've reached out to your counselor, that used to matter a lot less to us. Um, when you become more competitive as an institution, as we have, um, I think think in the past five years or so, so I'll just pick my tenure. I have little to do with this, but in my tenure, I think we've become uh, more competitive in the sense that our admit rate maybe five years ago was around close to 65%, and we, we dipped uh, just below... Uh, we're aiming for, and last year we were hovering around 55%. Um, so we are becoming substantially more competitive. Um, our applicant pool is is growing, and we can't simply go along mathematically with just admitting the same number of students you know, compared to the pool. So we're becoming more competitive. When it comes to the ED process, some students might see that, and some students might say, well, there's nothing that shows more commitment and demonstrated interest than applying early decision. And I'd say that's correct. Nothing does show more commitment. We want to see students uh, and we want to enroll students that want to be at Fairfield. So for sure, the commitment level does matter. However, um, if a student really did struggle in, in high school, and uh, again, it's, it's some of the more tough conversations I have as a counselor, but the reason why it's not an automatic is because what I mentioned before, when it came to one of the other questions, um, if a student simply is not going to be academically prepared for the rigor of Fairfield's curriculum, it's not going to be fair and it's not, it's really not beneficial to anybody involved to, to commit fully to, to a place like Fairfield, regardless of their interest level, and then really, really struggle here. And, and God forbid, you know, end of first year, you know, end up transferring out um, because it just wasn't a good fit. So as far as academic preparation, we still have to see that for sure. But at the end of the day, when it comes to deciding, should I apply early decision one or two to Fairfield? Um, only thing I'll mention now to, to know in that process, because a lot of deadlines and, and logistics might differ school to school, at Fairfield at least, you do want to be fully committed to us um, as far as enrolling in the fall, regardless of what you might see in a scholarship package and in a financial aid package. So I say that not to be um, negative, but just to say it to avoid any confusion and to avoid any unnecessary stress. There are plenty of students that say, I am fully ready to commit, regardless of that scholarship package, regardless of the financial aid, and that's great. There are some students that maybe don't know that going in, and that's why I want to just bring that up as a red flag really quick, um, simply because it sounds very surface level, but once you apply early decision, we admit you, and in that admission letter for early decision, you are welcomed as a member of the class of 20, whatever it might be, 26, 27. Um, so just keep that in mind. On the other side of the coin, I'll end with this. If you've been to campus a few times, you know, and if three, four, some students come that many times, five times, whatever the reason may be, in addition to that, you had a great interview. Maybe you've done extensive research on what you want to do for a career and Fairfield's the perfect fit. If you know a bunch of people who have gone to Fairfield and you know that you want to continue that legacy, whatever it might be, 
and you are not too concerned about what what might happen financially if you're in that position early decision is definitely the way to go um we are not a school that enrolls half of our class ed by any means but it is growing each year so i think it was somewhere around 10 percent of our class um this year was was uh early decision um and we shaped it that way so i would say if you have the fairfield mindset um at any point in the process up until january if i always joke with students if you have the Fairfield gear, the sweatshirts, the bumper stickers, and you are fully <laughs> ready to go, that is absolutely a great option. And you shouldn't be scared away from it based on all of my, my kind of precautions there. But that's early decision in a, in a brief nutshell. And I would encourage you before even signing off on that, reach out to your counselor, um, wherever you might be at Fairfield or elsewhere to, to see those particulars before locking yourself in. But I'm a fan of early decision for students who, who really do want to fully commit. It's a great opportunity. Well, that is a great answer. Again, comprehensive, really appreciate it. You mentioned demonstrated interest and visiting campus. So I guess my next question will be, how often should a student visit and what other ways are there for the student to show that they're really interested? Yeah. um, So we enroll students every year with varying degrees of demonstrated interest. So I, I wish I could give a, you know, you have to visit two times, you have to interview, and, and then you're set. It is kind of a gray area, but I would say some, some pieces of advice would be visiting campus at least once is, is as beneficial for you as a student as it is for us. Um, nothing beats, obviously, the feel of campus, meeting a tour guide, meeting an admission counselor on campus, getting a general feel. I, I'm a big believer in the fact that you can get a good sense of whether you'll feel at home, even from an hour-long tour on a college campus, especially at Fairfield. Our tour guides you know, do a really great job. So as far as just recommendations go, coming to campus once or twice for a tour is a great idea. Um, obviously, if you are from California, if you're from you know a plane right away, virtual opportunities uh, might be the only way to go based on your situation. And that, that is totally fine. And we are not viewing that in negative light. Luckily, one of the silver linings of shifting things for COVID was offering more virtual opportunities, interviews, school-specific sessions, things like that. So whatever it might be, virtual or on campus, and when class visits rev back up, things like I've been mentioning are great great to take advantage of. Um, in a balanced way, you know, starting the spring of your junior year, let's say, or earlier. Some people do earlier, but spring of your junior year is kind of when we start um, actively being in touch with you all and usually reciprocally being in touch with us. So that's that's one. Just a few, it sounds so general and vague, but a few times being to campus is always is always going to be helpful. Um, as far as email communication goes, that's another way to, to, to show demonstrated interest, as informal as that sounds. But I love when I see, you know, an introduction email from a student who may have just applied or is thinking about applying or maybe just visited campus for the first time. Not an essay, not not paragraphs and paragraphs, but just to reach out to introduce yourself as a student, to say what you might be interested in studying and to just say why you're interested in Fairfield at all. You know, that and an occasional email every once in a while could build a pattern that can really bode well for an applicant to just Um, Again, it sounds simple, but when it comes to reviewing applications and when it comes to shaping our class and being in touch with admission decisions, it's always good to not be seeing a name for the first time. So, So of course, 
every other aspect of the Common App is going to come into play. But, but I mentioned this with early decision. We want students on campus who want to be here. And that's why we don't simply enroll the highest GPAs every year. That's, that's not the goal of our, our crafting a class. It would be academically impressive if we did that. But at the same time, uh, students who vary in, in their degree of academic success and extracurricular um, involvement and uh, even demonstrated interest, it's a, it's a large net that we cast. And, and it's a very meticulous process, as I learned, balancing data with relationship building. So you're not, again, academically out of it um, by any means, but also if you have straight A's, if you get a good test score, you're not necessarily definitely in either. And, and that's usually kind of how I pitch this to prospective families to say that if there's any interest whatsoever, show it in these smaller ways and it builds that pattern. And yes, through our systems, we can see it, but also just from a human perspective, from a counselor's perspective, we get to know students well. And I know dozens of students, You know, by the time I review their application, I'm viewing it through a slightly different, more positive lens when I read it knowing their story through these things. So no, you don't have to email your counselor every week in order to be noticed. Email them when, when needed with updates, with questions, and just don't be a stranger. Yep. Chris, I absolutely appreciate the fact that you made it very clear to the students and their parents that throughout this process, they are far more than just a number, the GPA yes. or a grade uh, in any given course that they've taken over their four years of high school. And I absolutely love the fact that you explain to the students how much you appreciate as an admissions representative, a simple email with an introduction, perhaps what they wanna study, and maybe a short explanation as to why they wanna to come to Fairfield University. I think that is great advice. I'm hoping that the students and the parents are listening because the process truly is a holistic approach and yes, your four years of high school are extremely important in terms of the work that you've done in the classroom, but there is more to the process. So I really appreciate you giving that insight and that feedback. Thank you so much. Sure, and of course. And speaking of another piece of the process, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck out with you where when you read them, you said, wow, I, I really wanna meet this kid because this essay is special. And could you share some examples perhaps? I do get this question when I'm on, let's say, a panel or something like that, and I struggle sometimes to think of exact stories, but I do have some themes that I can share, and, and one or two exact examples, but I'll keep it kind of short and sweet. When I give advice to students as far as approaching how to write their essay, I usually keep it simple in the sense that you want it to be well-written, so you want it to be spelling, grammar, you know, strong, and also not just one big block paragraph, just basics like this. So to make it a well-written one page or so is always my, my quick piece of advice. But then as far as how to approach writing an essay, um, it's impossible to tell students what to write about, obviously. But in choosing a prompt, whatever prompt you do choose, my piece of advice is always treat, treat this one page or so as what it is, the only opportunity in the whole Common App, really, from scratch, to advocate for yourself um, and let us know your story. Everything else, other than maybe quarter grades your senior year, is already set in stone. You know, everything else from involvement to grades to letters of rec, which you're not writing yourself, 
this is all set in stone and you don't really have a say come application time. So when it comes to writing your essay, a few quick pieces of advice are always don't try to do too much and be someone you're not, whether that's vocabulary or, or embellishing a story. That's not what we're looking for. Um, we're not really looking for just a, a rehashing of your, your resume. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of just not duplicating things on the application. The essay is really, instead of just, it, it is in a way your own letter of recommendation. You know, I, I kind of I kind of phrase this differently depending on the day, but it is kind of this letter about yourself that you should be proud of and, and should put a spotlight on yourself for sure. But in choosing a story or in choosing, I'm just picking an example, somebody who inspires you, whatever it might be, I'm always drawn to the essays that are brutally honest and genuine, first and foremost, um, detailed, because a lot of essays might veer towards not wanting to make mistakes and therefore being vague or kind of just uh, broad strokes. Be as concrete and detailed as you can with your story. And then finally, um, positive stories are great. Um, challenging stories are great too. So just being, um, I guess, upfront and honest about getting us as counselors inside your mind at that point in time. Maybe your essay has to do with years of your life, or maybe it's literally one interaction. That's why it's so tough to give us, you know, concrete advice. But the essays, I'll end with this, the essays that have stood out to me have really been, I remember reading an essay this year where self-deprecating humor uh, is kind of one of my soft spots. I, I usually love students who can acknowledge maybe some of their challenges or weaknesses and kind of spin it to how they grew from it. So I, I remember reading an essay about a student who tried out for the basketball team um, and just ended up really, really embarrassing himself. He was fully owning that fact. He, he almost said, you know, I shouldn't have been at that tryout, but it was my dream. He walked me through in just a few paragraphs kind of how isolated he felt. And I kind of felt it when reading that essay, how every teenager feels embarrassed, isolated at certain points. And then the last couple paragraphs were about how, but if I didn't do that, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am. I know that sounds vague, but um, getting to the depths, and again, positive stories are great too, but getting to the depths of maybe when you might have felt the most vulnerable, or if you're talking about a person who inspires you in your life, um, some challenging aspects as well as some great aspects of that relationship. Um, getting inside your mind is the most important part. And again, it's not the end-all be-all of this essay, but it's one piece where we want to come away from it saying, can I see this student thriving at Fairfield? Um, can I see them fitting into our culture here in, in a variety of ways? So whether it's, uh, to give, again, a, a final one, if you don't have a dramatic story, a lot of students might start out their essay saying that. I wouldn't necessarily encourage it. You can if you want, but you're only 17 years old, 18 years old. Being as honest as you can, um, being as genuine as you can and, and picking a prompt that fits with a story that you think could make you look the most unique and, and maybe stand out a bit um, would be my, my basic pieces of advice. It's a tough one, but, uh, but be in touch as well if you have any questions about the essay. I love that, Chris. Advocate for yourself and let us know your story, right? Yeah. You don't want the essay to repeat again what's in other parts of the application. And I really appreciate the story of the student and I could almost read it in my mind, you know, the kid that went out for the basketball team, 
probably knew that had no business on that basketball court, but went for it anyway, probably didn't make the team, but was able to be humorous about it and talk about what they learned and how they got to where they are today. So again, advocate for yourself, let us know your story. I think those are great pieces of advice, so thank you for that. Of course. What about the teacher's letter of recommendations? What are you looking for when you're reading those? So we only require one letter of recommendation at Fairfield from uh, the student's guidance counselor. So I'll start there as far as what are actually part of the requirements. But I always encourage students, one or two additional letters of rec is what I typically see and what I would encourage, but we only require the one. From teachers, full disclosure, you will see for a lot of students, I read almost a thousand applications you know, throughout the year, you see a lot of the same for, for some you know, students, some schools, whatever it might be. So a lot, of, um, a lot of phrases, words happen to describe a lot of students. So it makes sense that you'll see a lot of the same kind of phrasing. Um, what stands out to me the most is when I do get, um, and, and pages and pages are definitely not necessary for letters of rec. It's almost, it's almost better when we see kind of a concise but powerful letter of recommendation. Um, same thing as the essay almost. A concrete story or two to kind of gauge a student's character is always what I really enjoy reading there. Um, we can see again on the transcript how they performed and it's great to hear how they grew as a student. But a couple of stories or, or one story even just about how that teacher was able to understand the student's personality um, in their actions and maybe how they, they ended up saying to themselves, this student is classy, this student is respectable, um, and I can see them thriving in college because of these personality traits. Um, I know I'm keeping it short and sweet, but that's kind of my best advice, you know, for teachers writing letters of rec, but also for students who might be thinking about which teachers to ask as far as who have you connected with the most on a human level as well as an academic level. Great advice, Chris. And again, it's all about those connections. So thank you so much for that. What about students aspiring to play sports in college? What advice do you have for prospective student athletes, of course, in terms of making their intentions to play known? Sure. So uh, I'm going to start with the fact that we at Fairfield have in our office an athletics liaison. So we make it simple in the fact that if you're from Long Island, if you're from D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and you're applying to Fairfield, I would be your direct counselor for sure. But any logistics as far as I don't want to be behind the eight ball, as far as scholarship opportunities, connecting with a coach, um, being recruited, quote unquote, um, our director, actually, Jim Anderson, is our athletics liaison. He has a lot of experience in the field, used to work in athletics, and he is the guy where we'll be copied on, on the emails together, but he would kind of work you through that process as far as starting maybe junior year and going through committing, whether it comes to national letters of intent, whether it comes to getting in touch with a coach, Jim is definitely your guy. And this isn't to shift the answer. I will say that luckily the process is going to be pretty similar admission wise for athletes as far as what we require from you. We don't really require anything additional um, in the process. We are through the Common App still. We still require the, the personal essay, the one letter of recommendation and your high school transcript as an athlete or non-athlete. But as far as connecting with a coach, a lot of students will 
on their own or, or from the advice of a counselor in our office, um, reach out to the coach on their own. There's a lot of different avenues. And to be perfectly honest, I don't have any uh, personal experience being this athletics liaison. So um, in the future, again, if, if we cross paths, uh, if you're a student or a parent, if we cross paths, happy to connect you with our liaison, connect you with uh, you know coaches. I would say just my basic piece of advice is early and often, try to figure out these details because the the heartbreaking stories are, I'm sure it's happening right now, some students being in their spring of their senior year, just first inquiring about, for whatever reason, um, maybe certain plans fell through or maybe they just didn't do their homework in time. They're trying to now think about Fairfield lacrosse or Fairfield basketball. And we're in the process of releasing our final you know, decisions and coaches have already done a lot of work in the process already. So COVID was a little strange as far as recruitment goes. I think we're in a more normal spot now. Again, without being an expert, I would just say junior year at some point, maybe reach out to our office to say what is the best way to connect with a coach. Usually it's just an email and maybe a visit to campus to to get a, maybe a personal tour if they have time for that or just a meeting in the Kelly Center on campus at Fairfield. So it's very, it's very straightforward early on. And then as the process develops, you really kind of athletics wise develop that relationship with the coach in particular and the team maybe shadow uh, a current student on that team um, and we kind of take a back seat in admission but that's that's kind of how how the athletics process works in a nutshell understood and thank you so much for that and chris lastly what are your top three pieces of advice you would offer prospective students and of course their parents in terms of the college application process? Yeah, this is a really, really great question that I, I love to share because they seem like common sense, but really I didn't do any of these when I was applying to college. <laughs> and that's why, that's why I love sharing them to hopefully save people um, the trouble. And it was over 10 years ago, I was applying to college. So the times have changed for sure. But the first one is, is pretty simple, but I, I implore you as, as a prospective student, a lot of students might end up visiting 5, 10, 15 maybe colleges, maybe more, I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of information in just a simple info session and tour. And if you times that by 10 or 15, it can be absolutely overwhelming. So a practical piece of advice, as nerdy as it sounds, is to notebook or laptop or on your phone, keep some sort of record and organize your record of college visits, whether it comes to, and, and a lot of it's on the website. So even just after the fact, like you're doing homework, maybe after a visit, kind of checking the website to, to almost set up a spreadsheet of sorts. And it's not too much work to do to just say, I've visited these colleges so far. And these columns kind of show me the differences when it comes to deadlines, because I don't want to miss a deadline. That's, that's number one. When it comes to uh, almost it, almost journaling about it, a couple of notes about how I felt coming from campus. So how was the tour guide? How was um, the counselor I spoke to? Because believe it or not, even from junior to senior year, because a lot of students don't make that decision until spring of senior year, you'll forget a lot um, when it comes to, <laughs> that's just in life, you'll forget a lot year to year. So keeping a couple of notes, um, logistics and just emotional notes after every college visit is one piece of advice that again, I, I wish I did myself but you don't want to find yourself 
April of your senior year, April 30th, you know, at midnight, thinking like, I have these 10 colleges I applied to, and I can't really remember these distinct differences. So that's my number one. Uh, number two would just be something I pretty much mentioned already, but I, I want to I wanna reemphasize. Um, don't be a stranger to your admission counselor. You could be a stellar student, and you, you could um, maybe have even dabbled in demonstrated interest as well, coming to campus a couple of times. Um, it still is a gray area when it comes to we can't give you this number of times to visit campus, this number of times to email. We can't tell you that because every student, every decision is going to be different. But I say don't be a stranger because coming to application review, knowing a student, whether I met them in person or not, um, through a couple of emails is going to, in some cases, be a game changer as far as, yes, I have to stick to our standards, but at the same time, we have a lot of flexibility to advocate for students that we think would be a good fit at Fairfield. Going back to that idea of crafting a class rather than simply um, putting your application through a machine and, and then having our 11, 12, 1300 students set for us. It's still a very human process. So I would say the, the actual advice there would be shooting a couple of emails you know, throughout the process. Um, another practical one, when you're visiting campus, maybe just shoot an email in advance to your counselor and saying, I'm coming to campus. Of course, we, you know, logistically speaking, every counselor is not going to be able to meet up every time. And it, for, you know, for more than maybe a few minutes, that's fine. Just, just letting your counselor know maybe when you're making these trips and any questions you have um, is a great piece of advice, I think, to kind of just build that relationship early on. Never to be overbearing, but also to just be very normal and natural about the process. And it makes sense when you take a step back to just say, you know, why would I commit to a school that I haven't really gotten a, a feel for too? So it's mutually beneficial for sure. Um, the third one would be, I've mentioned a lot of visit opportunities so far. Um, this is kind of a, a general piece of advice when it comes to the act of coming to campus or virtually learning about us. Um, kind of starting junior year maybe, and then going up until that decision is made, progress. I, I would encourage you to progress in your level of, uh, I would say, interest, or I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, progress in the types of programs that you're taking advantage of on campus or virtually, in the sense that there's no reason to really do a general campus tour three times. There might be a reason to come to campus or virtually connect with us three times, but maybe mixing up that bag as far as starting out with that info session and tour. And if you really liked Fairfield or any school, um, a couple of months later, looking into an interview and maybe a little bit later, a school specific visit. So you get a taste of a different thing every time you come to campus. And that's when you're gonna make the most connections. You're gonna expand your network the most and you're gonna come away hopefully again by your your decision day, latest May 1st, saying, I I didn't have just a broad you know, sense of this place. It still is going to be a calculated risk as far as where am I going to attend college? Like anything in life, you're not gonna know for sure you know, where you are meant to be. However, the way to put yourself in the best position as far as, I think this is a place I can call home. I think this is a place where I belong, I think I'm going to be heard here, and I think this is a place where I, I, I can launch the rest of my life. Best way to do that is to 
have the, the most variety of experiences you possibly can in our visit opportunities that we are just throwing at you for, for basically two plus years. So mix, mix that up, get to know as many people as you can throughout the process. And as a family, really come to a decision where you don't have just one simple, vague visit to base your decision off of. Have a few different experiences to base that decision off of. So those would be my three pieces of advice. Well, Chris, those are tremendous pieces of advice. I'm actually going to just review really quick because I think it's that important. The first one, <laughs> sure. the first one in terms of keeping organized, I remember going through it with both of my children. After you see a couple of schools, you kind of forget what you saw where. So I love the idea of keeping a journal in terms of what you saw, who you met, what your impressions were also including different deadlines, which you know we're learning with more and more episodes here that schools do have different deadlines. Secondly, mm -hmm. not to be afraid or not to be a stranger to your admissions counselor. I think that's great advice in terms of what you said. Perhaps shoot them an email prior to arriving to campus for a visit and then follow up with an email afterwards. Let them know your impressions. And I love what you yep. said that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, if somebody is not a definite shoe-in for admission, you can advocate for them based on these conversations that you've had during a visit, throughout all the emails. So I really appreciate that insight. And in terms of making progress, what I would say with the engagement of the campus and the people on campus, I think is great advice. You don't have to go for yeah. a formal tour each time, but maybe... The first time you go for the formal tour, maybe the second time you do a self-tour. And here's another great piece of advice. Talk to a student on campus. Yeah. Not the tour guide, but just somebody on campus. Hey, what are your impressions? What do you like? What don't you like? How are your classes? How are the professors? What is the social life about? Yeah. All of those are great pieces of advice. Chris, this has been phenomenal. I cannot thank you enough for your time your advice, your insight. I'm so happy because you gave of yourself and I know it's going to be helping a lot of students and their parents as they go through this process. So again, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you very much for having me, John. And this has been great for me to kind of reflect on, on all the pieces of advice I, I want to give and that can be helpful to all these families because we wear our counselor hat you know, for a lot of the year. So this is a big part of our job. I think it's a great, great platform for counselors to kind of share different insights and uh, really appreciate um, you having me, first of all, but also um, I think this is a great, great idea to share information like this um, in 2022 and beyond. I think it's going to be really a huge success. So thank you again. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. And uh, what else can I say? Go Stags. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Go Stags indeed. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.